Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century, right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The title is Remember Eternity. And joining me from somewhere in the northwest, I'm, I'm northeast. Now, let me see, where are you, Judith? I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana. Indianapolis, Indiana, is author J.E. Starks Brown. Welcome, Judith, to the program. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk with you. I was fascinated by the background story of your of your work. It is a relatively short read, 156 pages or so. But you, you began writing this uh, as a young student in high school, 14 years of age, and have been um, nurturing this story for a number of years. In fact, you are a retirement age, if I understand it correctly. Yes, I just retired uh, back in October, and when I was... Uh, a stay-at-home mom. I have five daughters, and I would write this uh, in composition books, uh, taking up from where I started from. I had to add material. I had to delete material because of the because of the times. Because times change, right. and, and depending on what God gave me to write, I had to follow the leading of my spirit. And this is what I came up with, and actually, what we have out on uh, Amazon right now is only part one. Part one. Now, the, the the fascinating thing again about this book not only is the fact that you started it when you were fourteen years old, uh, a freshman in high school, but that the uh, the subject material is uh, one of spiritual journey, and that's a little bit unusual. Also, was that uh, unusual for your time when you were uh, in in school? What motivated you to become focused on your Christian faith? Well, um, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit at age thirteen, and this is all I know. I was brought up in this way, and I. This is all I, I have been taught, so it was very easy for me to write. But you also stuck. You stuck with. You stuck with it, though. That, that's another thing that yes, I guess in today's yes, world, in today's world, in today's society, uh, students who maybe have been brought up in church and uh, attend church maybe at least once a week, which is now the now the norm, used to be three or four times a week, uh, have um, kind of uh, blended with the uh, the society around them. Uh, that was not the case with you. Absolutely not, and especially in the day that we live in now, uh, this is very timely because everyone has an eternity, and God gave me the title for this book, I would say, probably, oh, 10 to 15 years ago when I bought a secondhand computer that had Windows 95 on it, (laughs) and that was when... I began to type up everything that I had handwritten. It's 
it's fascinating and that you you kept your notes that long also for that number of I years and have. still had the passion for writing the story. One other thing that's unique about your your book and your storyline is that it is a fictional work, of course, I will mention that. It also yes, it is. is done in conversational style. A lot of books and stories will have, uh, you know, descriptives of background uh, maybe environments where the characters are located and and those kinds of things. Yours is more conversational between the characters. Was that unique uh, to your work? That is, but the the there is an introduction and there is a foreword which ex, which explains the characters. But you're right, the book is 75% dialogue, which is my writing style, which I feel most comfortable with. But yet there are some narratives to explain the dialogue, and that is the best way that I can communicate with my reader. Explain to my my listeners a little of the main characters in your story, and what is the focal point of the storyline, if you can share that. Okay, my focal point is the transformation power of the Holy Spirit. And the main character, or one of the main characters, is, uh, his name is Douglas, and he has a save from the streets uh, testimony that is very powerful. Um, He was out there in the world doing anything and everything, and he was a witness to a very violent motorcycle accident where his friend was killed right in front of his eyes and it was very traumatic to him he was at the point of suicide and that when and that was when his mother-in-law stepped in and simply told him four words that actually changed his changed his life and those words for him were let god help you hmm. and he he came to church because she invited him to and that was the only reason why but he heard the gospel he believed it and he allowed god to transform his life it's a comparison probably to the conversion of paul on the road to damascus right he was he was killing the people of god thinking he was doing god's service but when God stopped him in his tracks and blinded him for three days, that's, that was when his life was changed. So Douglas testifies to anyone that will listen to him the transforming power of God if you allow him to help you. And his, his life touches many other lives. And what it all boils down to is we all have to prepare for the eternity that every one of us faces. And you're whether st- you're- we die or whether we are caught up you, you into have- the... You have, rapture of the church. Yes, you have a, you have a storyline, of course. Is there, because this is dialogue-driven, is there also some action scene other than the one you've mentioned where there was a serious accident that impacted the main character? Yeah, there was a suicide attempt from a family member. There were uh, several accidents that happened, but you have to actually read the story to get the uh, full understanding of the book and it 
is just something that I think will help down-to-earth ordinary people, people that are struggling with addictions, people that don't have any power uh, over circumstances. And, and that is the bottom line, the power of the Spirit of God, which is a gift that he promised us on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. And it just behooves everyone to take advantage of this great gift that he promised. And when you, when that you're, is the gist of the book. Yeah, when you were thinking of, of uh, getting this book released and, and printed, and I'm sure with encouragement from family members and others that knew of your passion, was there a, uh, a, a difficult time in getting all of these thoughts assembled? Uh, this has been a, a long process, and if so, are you considering the other two or three additional uh, steps of, of uh, releasing the series? Well, step two, or part two, is I'm already over 100 pages into it. Wonderful. And that will probably be released, hopefully, by the end of the year. So this is a very long novel. It was too long to be put into one book, so it's going to have to be divided into three or four parts since I have been writing it for so long. Now, are young adults going to enjoy this read, do you think? Are they going to be engaged by the characters? Hopefully so, because these are down-to-earth people. They are, most of the characters are young people. There are a few older, more settled people, but there are people coming uh, from all walks of life that need to know about this message. And that is why I felt so compelled to get it out there. It's not going to be popular with everyone. I'm going to get some backlash, I'm sure. But this is what God has given me, and I have no fear. Was there, what was the most challenging part in getting this completed? Was it just the time span that uh, you had to I- embrace and, and overcome? Or were there other things that also were a complicated uh, part of getting this produced? Well... Up until October, I was working most of most of the time. I was working over 60 hours a week, and I had no time to do it. But as soon as I retired in October, I felt pushed. I felt led to do this, and everything just kind of fell into place. And I've already sold several copies. I don't have an exact number right now, but uh, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from people that have read the book. Some people have read it twice. And most of the feedback I have gotten is they like it because it is so down-to-earth and real. They can relate to the things that happen to these people. And hopefully... You know, that will get the message across. Well, fabulous. And and one thing I will say about the book that is unique, at least from my perspective, is the fact that it's primarily dialogue-driven. It, it is a little bit uh, yes. different from that perspective. It's almost like a movie script or a play. You can almost envision mm-hmm. this on stage. Uh, perhaps that's something that we'll develop from, from the book as time progresses. The title of the book, again, is Remember Eternity. My author, J.E. Starks Brown. Uh, Judith, where do we get copies of your book? It is available on Amazon. It is available on Barnes & Noble and also from Arthur House, which is the uh, company that published the book. 
so it, it's available for thirteen ninety nine for the paperback version and three ninety nine for the ebook. Excellent, and I will mention this: that uh, Starks Brown is uh, Starks S T A R K S hyphen. B-R-O-W-N, if they're doing a search online, initials J-E. J-E Starks Brown has been my guest, and the title of the book, again, is Remember Eternity. Best of luck with this, and hopefully we'll get to visit again when the next of the uh, series is released. Thanks again for joining me today. All right, thank you. My pleasure for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts, back in a moment. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute defines high cholesterol as a condition in which you have too much cholesterol in your blood. By itself, the condition usually has no signs or symptoms. People who have high blood cholesterol have a greater chance of getting coronary artery disease. According to the American Heart Association, more than 120 million Americans over the age of 20 have cholesterol counts that are above a healthy level. Harvard Medical School says that the good news is that cholesterol levels can be controlled, and just by lowering your total cholesterol 10%, you can decrease your heart attack risk by 20 to 30%. Making changes in your eating is important, but including daily exercise is a must. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Everything's Always Perfect. Fascinating title. And joining me is author Kevin Jenkins, who joins me from near Washington, D.C. Welcome, sir, to the program. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much, Jay. Thank you for having me. Well, this is a relatively short read, 108 pages, and uh, when I began to read it, it uh, almost came about as a uh, personal prayer diary. Would that be a way to describe it? How would you describe uh, the contents of your book? Well, I was so excited to um, to write, uh, and it's uh, really on relationships. It's all about uh, all the sorts of relationships that we, uh, that we um, work on every day. Um, so it's really just saying, you know, this is what works for me. This is the way I pray, and this is what works for me in my relationship. And hopefully it will move you from one place to the next as well. And it's not very complicated the way you have described it or the way you are writing. I mean, it's not like there's four or five pages and a lot of exercises. There are a few pages where I guess you can reflect on your day. And I noticed one where I could uh, maybe circle uh, little icons that would let me know or let me reflect on how my day went. Uh, I think three or four of those are probably the way I would describe my day most of the time, and, and that's that's incorrect. Uh, the, the purpose of your book is to get people off of that bad mindset and into something positive, correct? Absolutely, and it's just uh, I wanted to be interactive in my approach, and just um, journaling your journey is one of the things I talk about, and it's so important that the good, the bad, and everything in between is included in your journey because once you have that sort of feedback and once you are uh, aware of those sort of things that are going on in your day-to-day, only then can you, uh, through self-awareness, go in and make changes to 
to make things better for yourself. Absolutely. Uh, you are a creative. You are a musician, singer, and uh, I'll call it performer, but you're also a worship leader in church and church environs. A lot of creative people have wonderful ideas, but they never get them down into print or in a practical, uh, usable format. You have managed to do so. Is that something that you have had all of your life, the ability to do that, or, or is that something you had to discipline yourself to do? It was discipline, and then all things work together for the good. I mean, the idea was planted uh, as a seed, and um, we know that a, a seed in clay won't grow. So once I've gotten to the point where I was around an environment where there was fertile soil for my gift to grow, that's exactly what happened. And how long did it take you to complete this? Uh, you mentioned the word journal in your book itself. Is that something that is also an outcropping of a journaling process you do on a regular basis? Yes, I journal my journal uh, faithfully. I, I go in and uh, I, you know, I, uh, I ask myself, well, you know, what went good today and what could improve for tomorrow and uh, and I take those sort of notes and um it, and uh, that's something that I think is really important because it being in a long distance relationship you know my wife hasn't been there the whole the whole way physically to say you know hey how was your day right and so during our journey uh that was pr- probably the hardest part not having her there to say you know hey how was your day so I would have to uh I would have to take notes on my own and say, Well here's how my date was so when we had the opportunity to connect, um, we can have that, that sort of interchange where we can uh, iron sharpens iron and we can help one another along. <laughs> well absolutely. I noticed you have the um, the little icon of an of a of a rain cloud uh, also included in your work as uh, an option for for me to circle if I'm reading your book and and want to express how my day is going or has gone. Did you uh, have the unfortunate or the fortunate aspects of uh, circling rain clouds a lot while your wife was in a, in a different location? Right. Well, and and usually I really base that part of it off the weather. <laughs> so because I think that um, a lot of times I know here in Washington uh, days would be a little uh, as far as work. You know, some days um, in the uh, in the D.C. area, uh, of course, uh, they will actually shut the entire town down. And since a lot of wow. times the president is in town, they shut the town down. It affects everyone. So I noticed those snow days or those rainy days where we couldn't get a lot of things done as far as um, I, I work in adult education as well. And a lot of times, um, uh, you know, if I can't get to a class that I'm delivering, and I would definitely keep those uh, sort of notes available to myself and kind of just a reminder, you know, how was my day? Well, I couldn't um, go to class today because it was snowing outside. So just to, just to kind of journal my journal, my journey and to kind of remind myself uh, what happened, you know, during those particular rainy days. Well, I, I would put in my vote for when the House and Senate are in town, they shut down the government. I mean, that would be my choice. They shut down the town. Uh, but uh, that's, uh, that's a different problem. Uh, how are you, uh, in putting this together, did it take a long time, Kevin, or was this something that just flowed naturally from, from your notes? It took around, I'll say, I'll say about two years. Um, it was... It was the text messages, excuse me, um, when my wife had gotten a new job in California and I was here in D.C. And 
we went through a really, really, uh, a really dark point, and I didn't think we were going to make it. And so I would text her a prayer in the morning and a prayer in the evening, and it really helped us to be consistent on what we were asking for from God. Hmm. And um, when she moved back to D.C., um, I had a chance to kind of um, remove our things and stuff because um, we, we moved from a different city here in the area. And I, I found all these text messages that I had. Um, I had printed out. And and then I just, you know, I said, wow, these are really, really cool. And it helps you to realize where you're at when you're um, in a place, uh, in a wilderness situation. Because I don't know if uh, it's just like the beggar in the Bible. When you have an eye and you look at the Bible with the eye in a wilderness situation, you're almost looking at the uh, looking at the Bible, looking at the Word like you're begging from God. And that's what it was. It was, Lord, please change, please move me, please change the situation. And um, and and that's exactly what He did. Who do you think is uh, going to find this book of help to them? This is not a, a, a single read, I wouldn't think. I b- would, b- would also look at this maybe as a reference book. Would would you uh, envision it that way as well? Yeah, I would envision it to uh, really appeal to all audiences because it, it's not only about romantical relationships, but it's about the people that we love the most, our teachers. It's about, you know, our families. You know, I pray the same way for my, my brothers and my sister um, who who don't live in the area with me as well. They're, you know, we're kind of scattered all across the country, uh, family in uh, Houston, Texas, and, and New York. And particularly, these are the prayers that have covered us uh, for for our entire, you know, generations. These are the prayers that we pray as a family to cover us while we're apart. Is there anything on your discovery process or in your growth as an individual and as a person of uh, prayer that surprised you when you looked back? I can't necessarily say I was surprised. Um, it did. It was a, a testimony of faith. It was a testimony of uh, my drive. And um, it really is a, just a testament of what God can do and how all things can work together for the good. How would you introduce this book to someone? I, I know that because you're a musician, singer, you uh, ha- have an opportunity to interact with a lot of, a lot of uh, different types of people. When they come and visit with you or, or are interacting with you, is there the opportunity to share this? How would you introduce it to them? Well, I'm a really I'm a creative person, and. Um, Whenever I am uh, uh, am asked to speak in front of a group, I really encourage that they read the book before I uh, before I arrive, because it really is a spiritual intervention, and it brings everyone on the same page. God has um, blessed me tremendously, and I want to spread that sort of blessing to others, um, and I want to uh, plant a seed. Um, and the readers in the reader's life that will really help them improve their relationship with God. What makes this book different from others in the marketplace? I can see a couple things that I have observed, but what do you what do you see that's making it a little different and making an impact? Well, it's it's not um 
the book is not really talking at you, and it's, uh, it isn't. Uh, I've written uh, course materials for participants uh, for general skills and things like that that teach people things, but it's not necessarily doing that. It's really just uh, enhancing your prayer life, and I don't think uh, other books really make the commitment that I've made. A lot of a lot of some other people are famous and. They'll do ghostwriting with their books. They have other people to write their books. But this book is really from um, the bottom of my heart. It's really my experience, and it's really just a um, it's really just an extension of my faith. One thing you've described here is, and in your observations about the book, is that it goes beyond pen and paper. And we're in a contemporary society that has very little written material. All of it's either, as you mentioned, uh, maybe by uh, notes that are passed by phone or by uh, computer emails, that type of thing. The, the longevity of our conversations are diminished considerably. You've taken this beyond that. You've taken those those brief encounters uh, visually and have put them into a permanent form, which is which is unique and also uh, certainly will be a blessing to, to those who read it. You also, I think, by doing so, have subtly suggested that maybe we ought to look beyond the instant gratification of a, of a brief note. Would uh, that also be a part of your purpose? Right. Well, social media is so important uh, as a tool today to stay connected. Uh, and I, uh, you know, with the size of churches are today and to build relationships. Uh, I know we have different silos in the church and different pockets to communicate. I really think that um, I use social media in a way to kind of leverage the playing field so that we can take our faith beyond the four walls of the church and and also um, keep it uh, in realms where it's a safe place for people to really use uh, self-expression and to really be who they are and help stay equally yoked with those whom they care about and those whom are in their network. Beautifully put. The title of the book, again, is Everything's Always Perfect. And my author, who has joined me from near Washington, D.C., is author Kevin Jenkins. Kevin, is there another book in the future, do you think? Um, I have a couple of singles out. I have a single out now. It's called Impossible, and it just talks about how... um, it encourages you to to kind of identify what your impossible is and take change, take steps to make it um, make it your possible, make it your reality. Uh, and then I also am working on a uh, a, a leadership uh, book, which will um, just gives you a couple of principles of leadership that you can apply in the workplace, and it, it really does transfer over to your personal life as well. So Fab- excited about that. Fabulous. Uh, congratulations on completing this. Where can my listeners get a copy of Everything's Always Perfect? Everything's Always Perfect is available everywhere, Google Play, the uh, iTunes bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, 
and anywhere uh, books are sold. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Again, listeners, this is a personal approach to prayer and uh, maybe personal growth in the spiritual realm. If you're a churchgoer, if you're not a churchgoer, but just want to improve your relationships, this is a book that I'm sure you'll enjoy because it'll be one that you'll refer to time after time and uh, possibly could even incorporate it into the usage in what is called small groups in churches. Uh, There's a lot of ways this could be adapted. Thank you again, Kevin, for joining me and sharing your story. Thank you, Jay, so much. My pleasure for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts. Back in a moment. It's Merging or not, there are times when even I can't think of the right word. The inability to think of a word is called lethologica. Texas Monthly Magazine recently came out with some colorful homespun sayings. Old as dirt and common as cornbread in the Lone Star State. Did you hear about the Texan that could strut sitting down? But he was all hat and no cattle, which means very boastful, but with nothing about which to boast. On top of that, he don't know a widget from a wangdoodle or a diddly squat. His wife was a mighty strong woman. She'd charge hell with a bucket of ice water. She was always telling folks that he was so tight, he could squeeze a nickel till the buffalo screamed. She also said he was famous for calling the hogs all night or snoring. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled, Hear the Word of the Lord, 52 Lessons. And joining me is author Dr. Earl L. Blitzo. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you. Uh, Good bro- to be here. Broken down into 52, uh, I guess I would call them almost like outlines. Uh, you have a, have a ministerial background. Just to read a little of your background and, and what you've accomplished in life is, is remarkable in itself. If I were to read all of the degrees that you have earned in theology, I would probably take up five to ten minutes of material just reading that. But uh, you have been at your retired pastor. You, you graduated cum laude with a Master of Divinity degree in 1979. And from there, you've continued your education, have uh, several degrees after your name. Uh, ministry has been a focal point of your life. Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, for the last 40-plus years. And just in reading a little also of your your background, uh, your beginnings in life uh, at age one or two years of age, uh, most people standing on the sideline would have said, uh, there's, uh, there's an individual that's not probably going to make it. Share a little of your early life, if you don't mind, and then share why you and how you became introduced into a life of faith and ministry. Well, I, my biological mother passed when I was around about two years old. Mm. And at about three, something like that, I ended up in the foster care system in the District of Columbia and was moved around a while and from place to place and uh, ended up uh, being placed with a family in uh, Virginia, which really proved to be a blessing because they uh, 
kept me for until I was out of college, wow. then in the military. So um, um, that's basically the outline of my early days. I was a foster child. I was in the foster child system. I ended up with a family in Virginia, and they um, reared us as reared me as if I was one of their own because they didn't have any children. But they did raise. Uh, but, they raised a lot of children uh, in the foster system, though, didn't they? They have a, a wonderful history. Oh, they did. Yes, the system doesn't have such a good history. No, but, uh, no. That family does. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And there was a rural setting also, which probably was a salvation, at least uh, from a social standpoint, in your upbringing. Well, it got me out of the city. It got me down in the rural in a country setting, um, uh, and I grew up on a farm. They had about um, uh, 1,500 acres, four brothers. And uh, I grew up with one of them working, helping to work that farm. So it kept me out of city trouble. <laughs> it exposed me to some farm dangers. And and in that uh, in that setting, where did the passion for learning come from? Is that something that was fostered in that environment, or or was it something else? A little bit of both. My uh, uh, foster father was himself a teacher and an electrician and a farmer and a musician. So uh, uh, he was um, a universal man almost. Mm. Uh, but he kind of set a path, pushed us to go. Uh, I was a little got behind in school, and I was planning to drop out when I was 16, and he would not allow me to do that. So it, it comes from a push from the family and... Uh, Somehow I discovered that it was a, a fair path that was beneficial. It's, it's phenomenal, your, your education pass, uh, path, because uh, not only have you, you know, earned one degree, but you, uh, you graduated cum laude from one, one university, one uh, higher education setting. This book has, is, is part of your out, uh, an outcropping of your history as a pastor and minister and teacher. The, the title again, Hear the Word of the Lord, where did this motivation come from to write this book? Well, I was searching uh, the biblical passages, and I decided to stick with the passage which deals with hear the word. And that's how uh, the title came to be, and I chased it or traced it through the books of the Bible wherever I found a passage that dealt with hear the word of the Lord. And if you're a pastor, yes, and if you're a pastor or minister or teacher, this book, because it's 52 chapters. Did that have any personal significance, or was that just accidental that 52 passages or 52 uh, topics arose from your study? Well, I got on that path because I was dealing with something like a devotional reading, and it was something for every week. And uh, it it just worked itself out. I said, well, look, this will fit. And uh, that's how the 52 came to be. There are so many books in the Bible, so many passages and this seemed to uh, uh, fit that pattern. The, the style is sort of a flyover. Would that be a way to describe it? You start at the first of the, of the Bible or the beginning parts of the Bible and end up in the book of Revelation. Is that uh, purposeful, or was that just, uh, again, something that, that transpired out of your study? 
Well, it transpired, but it does have a purpose. And it starts from the beginning and goes into Revelation at the end. So uh, it is directed by the books and by the passages, um, but it came to be out of a desire to have something that hit uh, every week. Uh, Dr. Bledsoe, is this the first book you have uh, published? Uh, first book published is about the third book written. <laughs> I understand. Uh, you ha- Has the desire to, to get something into print been there a, a while? How long did it take to complete this 52-week uh, study of lessons? Uh, it took a good year to do this. Uh, I started working on it and just walked right through it and discovered that it might fit into this uh, package of a book. Um, um and that's basically the path that it took. Is this a book that might appeal to a broad range of folks, or is this going to be those who are deeply studious and, and love to get into the details? I think a broad range. Uh, um, I don't think you have to be so spiritual that you are biblical-focused. I think it'll just give you a good reading and a good path for life. And, and, through it. Yeah, and you, you have not in your book, in your read or in your studies, have not, uh, I, I would think the best way to describe it is not necessarily describe the way the person should think. You've led them to the, the water and asked them to take a drink. Would that be also a way to describe that? That's a good way to describe it. Yes, sir. And, and you have, uh, uh, in your thinking of letting this be released, who is the type of person you thought now there, there's there's the individual I've written this for mm, I started some years ago with a reading for my devotional movement in the morning and I discovered quite a few people have a devotional uh, uh, pattern they either read in the morning or they read in the evening And I think I had that kind of person in mind, one who uh, is kind of disciplined for the reading of the Word, at least um, uh, uh, once a day, once a week. And there are those individuals that uh, have chosen that pattern. Who is the... Describe for me, if you were to introduce this book to someone, how would you introduce this to them and get them interested in uh, securing their own personal copy? I would say if you have a devotional life and you are accustomed to reading something every morning, every week to get you started on your journey, uh, that this book would fit that uh, 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 pattern. And I would encourage you to buy it and read it. It will help you learn something about the Bible and its passages as you move through it. And it will also give you something like a light to uh, guide your your path as you move through the week. Isaiah and Lesson 8. You have outlined that as Isaiah's trumpet sound. What is Isaiah's trumpet sound, and what does that refer to? There's this idea that Isaiah saw himself as a trumpet, uh, blowing for the nation to hear a word of the Lord. And I just ran that theme through the work of Isaiah, 
as he blew, as he sound the word of warning, as he gave a word of advice, that's more the idea for the trumpet of Isaiah. Mm. The book of Revelation is a, a big question mark to many people who are church-going believers. They, uh, they look at the book of Revelation as something that's a little beyond their grasp. You have outlined uh, with several lessons in there, 38 through 52, I believe, you give a nice introduction to the book of Revelation, and then you talk about the churches in the book of Revelation. Those, uh, again, are, are subject matters for a lot of uh, sermons. Was there anything that you discovered that was different from what you had preconceived as you began your studies? I think I discovered that it is not as difficult as people want to make it. It deals with signs. It deals with symbols. Um, However, they are not so far removed from life that you find yourself caught up in some great mystery. Uh, the piece about the seven churches, um, each church has a particularity. And those of us that are part of that of faith community know that every church has something different going mm-hmm. on. None, mm-hmm. uh, none of them are the same. Uh, so as you deal with the life of that congregation, the life of that church, the life of that community, you find something different going on, something particular going on, and uh, the word of revelation can help you prepare for all the mysteries of heaven and all the complexities of earth. And I think that that's what I'm saying. Be- it's not all that difficult. Be- beautifully put. We have we have to learn to love, we have to learn to respect, and the symbolism of revelation can be broken down into common everyday signs and symbols that help you to walk with some dignity, with some ethic, and with with some Christian ethic, and with some care for individuals. So I decided, or the Spirit led me to just break it down into the number of lessons. And it's done in a practical approach as well. This, uh, I think, if I was in your shoes and had written a book of this magnitude, I would also be thinking maybe there's some pastors or teachers out there that will take this and expand on the subject matter and and put their own spin on it, if I may use that term, in the pulpit on maybe a Sunday morning. You've got a whole year of some great sermon outlines and uh, some other things that should inspire a congregation if someone chooses to use it that way. Uh, I discovered as I developed, I discovered I had to develop a sermon or two sermons or something every Sunday. And I would be looking during the week for some inspiration. And I discovered that if I took a path uh, with a theme or with a particular book, I could walk through that book and not be searching for some great idea. Mm -hmm. The book I did a path for you, provided some idea for you, and I could be consistent in my preaching for 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 a period without every day getting up wondering what am I going to do now. <laughs> um, it provided a path for me. 
beautifully done, and you've done a, a wonderful job of outlining some great ideas in this book. Uh, and, and again, the individual will benefit from this, as well as the teacher and possibly pastor of a church. The title of the book, again, is Hear the Word of the Lord, 52 Lessons from Dr. Earl L. Bledsoe. Dr. Bledsoe, my listeners need to get a copy of this. How do they do so? Uh, you can. The best way to do it is to order it through Arthur House. Uh, because they can provide you with the text and uh, mail it, ship it directly to your house. Wonderful. And I think probably Amazon and a couple of other places may have it if they do a search under your name, last name, spelled B-L-E-D-S-O-E. Dr. Earl Bledsoe has been my guest. Thank you, sir, for joining me on today's program and sharing your story. Praise the Lord. Thanks for asking. Well, thank you, and I think I'll go take up the offering. Okay. Blessings on you for Author House. This is J. Douglas Barker. Join us again for Christian Living That Counts.